0: The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net.
1: Our scripture passage this morning is found in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. This is found on page 821 in the black Bibles in front of you. Please stand as we read God's word. Beginning in Luke 14, chapter, or chapter 14, verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated.
0: Delta um, Brady Reader is going to be preaching for us this morning. Most of you know Brady. Um, Good husband, good father, good friend, good counselor. Um, Very thankful for Brady. He's been a blessing in my life. I'm sure he's been a blessing to many of you. I'm going to pray for you, Brady, and let you preach. Father, thank you for This man, thank you for his love for your word, his love for people, and his love um, to see you glorified and honored. I pray that you would speak through him this morning, give him boldness and courage, clarity of thought and speech. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Good morning, Delta. Good to see all of you this morning. You may recall uh, when we returned to the book of Luke uh, a couple weeks ago. Jesus, as we started this new section, was asked a very important question. And that question was found in chapter 13, verse 34, or verse 23, excuse me. And that specific question was, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And I think that question has kind of cast a long shadow over chapter 13, over what we've covered in chapter 14 thus far and as i think about what we've covered since that question was asked it seems to me that a consistent theme that we have seen from jesus is expect the unexpected expect the unexpected the person who asked that question in chapter 13 did not expect the answer that he got the pharisees in their dinner party here in chapter 14 it's not going as they expected it To go, And as we turn to our text this morning, it's important to notice that the text that we're covering over two Sundays, so verses 1 through 11 last week, verses 12 through 24 this week, all of this is actually happening on the same night, same dinner party, same conversations just happening over a few minutes of time. So the text we're looking at this morning, we're actually rejoining the conversation that was happening that Chance covered for us last week. And, man, the Pharisees' plan for the evening, it just continues to unravel. Jesus is blowing this party and their plan for this party to pieces. And I, I think it's because he notices what they're blind to. He notices everything that they're blind to. He's been exposing what is wrong with those who appear from worldly standards to be first, namely the Pharisees. And he's exposing why, why, in all reality, they're going to be last. And ultimately, they're going to be left outside the kingdom. He's noticing everything they're blind to. He noticed the man with dropsy. He healed him. He noticed their abuse of the Sabbath. Which left them pridefully silent. He's noticed their self exalting efforts to make the party all about them and snag the best seats in the house. And now Jesus notices something else. He notices who wasn't invited to the party, he's noticed who's missing from the party. So, Lord willing, the main idea we're going to see this morning is this. Jesus invites the unexpected, but his invitation must be accepted. Jesus invites the unexpected, but his invitation must be accepted. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My greatest hope this morning is that you would marvel, that you would believe that Jesus truly does invite the unexpected. And if you haven't accepted his invitation this morning, my hope is you'll accept his invitation that he's offering to you. But my greatest fear also revolves around the same thing, that you will see that he invites the unexpected and you just really don't see that it applies to you. And therefore you reject his invitation. Now we're going to hear some really lame excuses this morning that were given by men that ultimately left them outside the kingdom of God. Satan will do whatever he can during this time to distract you, to make you to think there are other things far more important, more pressing right now than your soul, than your eternity. So let's just pause for a minute and pray. I've shared with you my hopes and my fears, and I can't do anything to make those come to reality. But God can. So let's pray. God, we rejoice that you are the one who invites the unexpected. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be amazed, be wowed by this? If there's one here today that does not know you, I pray that you would empower them, that you would give them the grace that they need to accept your invitation. God, would you bind the enemy from this place? Would you capture our hearts and our attention? Your word is truth. Sanctify us by your word. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of the text before us today. We pray all these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus, having just spoken to the attendees of the dinner party, that's where we ended last week, He now turns His attention to the host of the dinner party with a lesson on who He should have invited. We're going to take this first part of the main idea first. Jesus invites the unexpected. Jesus invites the unexpected. Now, I want you to notice the beginning of verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him. Well, who is this man? As good students of the Bible, we need to ask questions like this. And we need to remember Luke provides this important information back in verse 1 of chapter 14 when he said this man was a what? A ruler of the Pharisees. So this is the host he's talking to, a ruler of the Pharisees, and he says there in verses 12 and 13, "...when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they should also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind." So where most people see a really impressive crowd, a really impressive guest list, Jesus, he notices yet another example of a heart that is seeking to exalt itself. And he exposes this host's corrupt motives by calling attention to his guest list. Because who he invited was a direct result of what he was seeking, what he was wanting most See, the problem was not that the Pharisees were having a dinner party. The problem ultimately wasn't the people who were invited. The problem was and this was the consistent themes with the Pharisees they were hijacking a good thing, in this case, a dinner party, and they were using it to achieve their own goals. They were using it to exalt themselves. In other words, they're worried about what's in it for them. I'm going to invite the people that ultimately, repayment for me is going to look pretty good. That's the kind of people I want to hang out with. See, if you love the attention of men, if you seek repayment or advancement, you you could care less about the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Why is that? Because from the world's perspective, no one cares about their opinion. They have nothing to offer you. They hold no important positions. They can't advance your status in society. They can't repay you. They can't hold fancy events in your honor. So instead, you're going to invite people whose opinions really matter to you. My friends, my relatives, my rich neighbors, the impressive people of society. But notice this stands in sharp contrast with Jesus and with his kingdom. This is not true charity. This is not true generosity. Jesus says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors. See, his guest list was wrong because his motives were wrong. So Jesus says, Here's what you need to do instead. If you want to throw a party like God throws a party, this is who you need to invite. Your guest list should include the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And notice what he says, and you will be blessed. Why is that? Because they can't repay you. They have nothing to offer you in return. Jesus invites the unexpected into his kingdom. Remember what we've seen back in Luke 4. Jesus standing in the synagogue in Nazareth. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The, Holy, or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Later in Luke 5, Jesus tells the Pharisees, I've not come to call the righteous, but the who? The sinners to repentance. Jesus invites the unexpected. He comes to those who aren't noticed, the ones who are ignored by Society, friends, you and I are living proof that Jesus invites the unexpected. And when someone has received God's generous mercy, it should change the way they see everyone else. So how I relate to other people transforms from what can you do for me to now, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I show kindness and love and charity to you? God's mercy, it, it, it motivates, it changes the way you see your neighbor who is struggling to make ends meet. It motivates the way you befriend someone who has no one else. God's mercy should change the way we see the homeless person standing in the median or outside the store. These are all the people the Pharisees were blind to, and who noticed them? Jesus. Jesus noticed them. He moved towards them. And God's people, they do the same. We move towards those in need. Why? Because Jesus... He's moved towards me in my need. This is hard. I'm going to be honest with you, this was not a fun text to study this week. Conviction was pretty heavy at times. And it was by no coincidence... Wednesday, I was going to a chiropractor's appointment. I was running a little bit late. I'd been studying, and uh, it's coming down this really long turn lane. Nobody else was there, and I could see a homeless man standing in the median. I'm going to be real with you right now. My first inclination—there's two turn lanes. My first inclination was go to the outside turn lane because I'm in a hurry, man. I. Still in to mess with this right now? And I'm like, no, instantly the Holy Spirit starts going to work, right? So I go back over. It feels like I was driving for three hours, but it was only like 10 seconds, right? You, I think you guys feel me there. So I move back over to the inside turn lane where he's standing, and I'm approaching him, and then I realize the only cash I have in my wallet is not the smallest of bills. Somebody had just recently repaid me, and I'm like man, I, somebody just gave this to me. This is all that I have to offer. And man, it, it hit me like, wow, I am completely viewing this situation through the lens of how it affects who? Me. What's this going to do for me? So I give the dude the cash. Very, very grateful. Like, you're also running through, if you're like me, you're thinking through, like, man, I don't want to, if this guy's just going to use it for an addiction, I don't want to help this process just by giving him more cash. You know, anybody run through all those questions in your head, like, what are they going to do with my cash? And then the Holy Spirit's like, man, aren't you glad that God doesn't run that grid on you before he gives you his gifts? Have I received anything from God that I haven't abused or twisted for my own purposes? No. So I'm telling you this not to say, wow, look at me. I'm telling you this because as you, lead, as you read this, as you hear this this morning, you can guarantee God's going to put you in a situation where He's going to give you an opportunity to practice this. How often does God do that? When we're reading something and He's teaching us or He's reminding us something, and man, within a few short minutes, there's an opportunity. So be prepared. An opportunity is probably coming for you. But I want to ask you, how might you be able to invite the unexpected into your life? How might you use the gifts and talents God has given you to care for someone around you that's in need? And notice the motivation of repayment comes up again. Verse 14, there at the end of the verse For you will be what? Repaid at the resurrection of the just. Friends, do you see what Jesus is doing here? He is motivating sacrificial love to the poor with a promise. With a promise. And this is a pattern we see over and over again in Scripture. The commands that God gives are ultimately for our good. God invites us to trust Him. And the results will be beyond what we can imagine. Over and over again. Even with the strong... We've seen it just last week. If you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, What? you will be exalted. God has our best interests in mind, even in the commands that He gives to us. His commands are meant to lead to life and our flourishing. Christian, we need to remind ourselves, if we are pursuing and settling for what the world offers we are way too cheap way too cheap why on earth would we live for things that are going to pass away when what god is offering us it's eternal it can't be touched Now, I think another thing we see Jesus doing here, he's demonstrating how the promises of eternity are to determine our daily decisions. The reality of spending eternity with God in his kingdom should revolutionize every area of our lives. So, in other words, every area of our life how we spend our money, how we interact with one another, how we spend our free time, how we react to suffering all these things should be increasingly marked by an attitude of, man, I am not living for the here and now. I'm living for eternity with my Savior. Like, I don't want to spend my life giving myself to things that vanish when I'm gone. I do not want to be on my deathbed watching everything that I've worked for fall through my fingers like grains of sand. Friends, if you're settling for what the world offers, you are too cheap. I think that's one of the messages that Jesus is is conveying here. So do you have any areas of your life that might look differently if the reality of the Lord's return is on the forefront of your mind? Christian, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying here. If you use the talents if you use the gifts that He has given you to bless others, and you do it out of a heart that worships, out of a heart that is thankful to Him for what He's done for you, Jesus says God Himself is going to repay you. He's going to repay you. And then we're going to get the joy and the privilege of laying it at our Savior's feet. So what are you running after the hardest? Is it what this world offers you that will soon pass away? Or is it the imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that God promises to His children? What are you running after? What are you pursuing? As Jesus is telling us, pursue the better reward. Stop settling for a kind of good when I'm holding out to you better than you could ever imagine. And we need to make this clear. This is not works righteousness. This is not give some money to the poor, be kind to the needy in your community, and then God will welcome you into heaven because you've done such wonderful things. This is not what Jesus is talking about here. Because notice the repayment is for the who? At the end of verse 14, the just. The repayment by God is for the just. The just are those who have entered the narrow door that is Jesus Christ. The just are those who have humbled themselves and come to Jesus for salvation, for cleansing, for new life. They've humbled themselves. They've trusted in Jesus as their Savior. And Jesus can call those who follow him just because in just a little while, a few more chapters, he's going to arrive in Jerusalem. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be crucified, killed on a cross. He's going to be buried. But three days later, he's going to rise. Why is that? Luke 24, 27. So that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations. That's why there's a category of the just. It has nothing to do with what we can do. It has everything to do with what he has done for us. And that is our motivation to welcome the unexpected into our lives. Now, one can only imagine the awkwardness (laughs) in that room, in that dinner party. I mean, this party is just absolutely blown up in the Pharisees' face. This has not gone the way that they've expected. I mean, here's Jesus, a guest at the dinner party. He instructs the guests how they should be behaving. And now he turns his attention to the host and he goes, Oh, by the way, you've invited all the wrong people. Let me tell you who you should have invited. So imagine just the awkwardness. The tension of the moment, it's not really surprising just to imagine everyone kind of squirming under the uncomfortableness of the moment. And what possibly, we don't know this for sure, what possibly was an attempt to change the subject and ease the tension of the moment, some old boy decides, now's a good time for me to open my mouth. Verse 15, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things... He, unknown man, said to him, Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, in my mind, you can almost just kind of imagine the Pharisees tightening their rows. Amen, brother. Yes. Now, we don't ultimately know whether this was another vain attempt of self exaltation or not. We're not told that but one thing is clear. Jesus reinforces the point that he just made back in chapter 13 and that is the ones who will actually be eating bread in the kingdom of God are not the ones you expect. They're far different from what the Pharisees have in mind and this is because as the parable describes many people have the kingdom of God offered to them, and yet they willfully neglect it. And the kingdom is lost. They will not enter into the kingdom. And that's because, second half of our main point, Jesus' invitation must be accepted. His invitation must be accepted. So Jesus answers the man, Verse 16, but he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. So the servant came. He reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come. That my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. So Jesus begins this parable, describing of a describing a man who gives this great banquet. He invites many, and what was common back then is two invitations would go out. We kind of get this; we do the same thing today. The first one would kind of be like a save the date kind of invite, right? Hey, we're going to be having this. And for those that were accepted the invite, the second invite would then come when all the preparations were made. This is what's happening here. You see this first invite there in verse 16. The man, what, invited many. The second invite then comes in verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited come for everything is now ready. But notice what happens upon the servant's announcement. They all alike begin to make excuses. I think it's important for us to notice the nature of these excuses that are made. Like the first guy, who buys land that they haven't seen yet? But that's exactly what he says. I just purchased some land Now I'm going to go see it. But nobody does that. Nobody buys land before actually laying eyes on it. Second guy's excuse is just as foolish because he's just made a huge investment at the time. Five yoke of oxen would have been a massive amount of money. But he hasn't even examined them yet. That makes no sense whatsoever. You don't make a huge investment without going to check out first what you're interested in investing in. And on top of that, a guy who has that kind of money, he's not doing that kind of work anyway. He's got people that do that for him. The third guy, he doesn't even ask to be excused. He just says, i got a wife, I can't come. Now, we, we can kind of grasp what's going on here, right? This is like Kleinschmidt. Invites somebody from the congregation, sends them a text message, say, Hey man, you're new to the area. We'd love to have you out on our house. This date, this time, we'd love to have you. The person's like, That's great. I'll be there. Person shows up. <clears throat> Klein Schmidt welcomes him. He's like, Man, we're glad to have you. We've, man, I've been grilling all day. Sarah's been working in the kitchen all day long. We're super excited to have you. We've got just a few more minutes. We'll come get you when when the time is ready. So the, the guy just hangs out with Clyde Schmidt's kiddos. John comes back out. <clears throat> Man, everything's ready. Come on in. The guy's like, you... funny that you say this because I, I was just added as a friend by this beautiful woman on Facebook and like we just did Facebook Live and got married. Like I, I, I need to go meet her. Now, like It's ridiculous, right? That's the point Jesus is making here. Who would do that? And it stands in sharp contrast to the generosity of the master that is inviting and welcoming. All three receive the first invitation, but all three declined when it was time to come. And all three give lame excuses So the servant, he goes back to his master, who's understandably angry, but notice what he does. Listen to this. The rejected invitations do not lead to him canceling the whole event. The rejected invitations, what? It leads to more invitations. Grace. The invitation gets spread out further to more people. And notice who shows up in the parable. All the people who are absent from the Pharisee's house. The lame, the blind, the crippled. Master's like, you go out, you find them, you bring them in. Don't need to prepare. They just need to receive the invitation and come. Maybe something that's coming to mind is the humble being exalted, right? what we just covered last week. Master's house, it's filling up with surprising guests. His generosity is demonstrated even further still. When the servant comes back, he's like, what you've commanded has been done, and still there is room. So the good news of the prepared banquet is spread even further. The servant sent to the highway, the hedges, to compel people to come. Why is that? Because the master wants his house full. He wants all kinds of people to come and partake and enjoy what he offers. He wants to bestow his generosity and kindness upon as many people as possible. Now, in case you're wondering what Jesus is saying here, he's using this parable as a mirror, and he's holding it up to the Jews and to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, because the great banquet it's the kingdom of God, and God has invited them into His kingdom through His Son, Jesus Christ. The invitation came to the Jews first. For centuries, they've heard the prophecies about the Messiah who was to come, and when He finally arrives on the scene, it's nothing but lame excuses and rejections. They were refusing the narrow door. They were refusing to humble themselves. Their pride and their love of being first on earth results in a closed door to God's kingdom. Because to reject the master's invitation is to reject any hope of being welcomed at his table. And Jesus brings the parable to a stinging end when he warns those sitting at the table with him. We kind of miss this in our English translations, verse verse 24, excuse me, for I tell you, that word there is plural. So you has been used in the singular when the master has been talking to his servant. But now Jesus is talking directly to the people sitting at the table. I tell you, plural, none of these men who are invited shall taste what? My banquet. Jesus is the master of this banquet. His invitation must be accepted. They didn't come when they weren't invited and so there's no seat for them at the table. But thanks be to God the banquet wasn't canceled. Their rejection did not cancel the great banquet that God has prepared. Because friends this banquet host he's not concerned about social status. He's not concerned about wealth He's not concerned about nationality. His invitation, it goes everywhere. To the streets, to the hedges, to the byways, to the dark alleys. They can't cancel his banquet. And he wants his house full. And so even today, that invitation is still going out. To you, to me, So friends, as we close this morning, if you've accepted his invitation, I would encourage you, allow your heart to be amazed that you were ever even invited. Jesus invites the unexpected. I'm one of them. Allow your heart to be amazed by that. That you and I, if you have trusted in Christ, you are seated at his table. Why is that? Because your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now what? Seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Christian, you've got a seat at the table. So who's one needy person in your life that you could show that kind of love to this week? Who is an unexpected that you could show kindness, an encouraging word, a meal, some financial help? Who is an unexpected that you could show kindness to this week? But if you're here this morning and you've not accepted Jesus' invitation, I want you to hear Jesus' warning. Beware of all the world is trying to distract you with. The oxen, the land, the spouse, the job, the status. Jesus says, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But what? Loses His soul. Friends, that is a very real danger. So hear his warning. The world's going to offer you a lot of stuff. The world's going to tell you this is more important right now. But I have good news for you as well. The fact that you're here this morning... is a sign that the master is still inviting. The fact that any of us are here is because his invitations are still going out. His house is filling. One day it's going to be full. And that invitation is going to be gone. So friend, while you're here this morning, while in his sovereign grace you have heard yet again, Will you accept his invitation? Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can sing, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we have moved from enemy to now a welcome guest at your table. Jesus, we thank you that your blood has made our hands clean. That your blood has washed away our sin. Lord, I also know there's probably people in this room that cannot say that. Because over and over and over they've heard the invitation But excuses just keep coming. God, would you help them hear the warning that they must accept your invitation? Holy Spirit, we recognize we can't even accept the invitation on our own strength. We need your grace. We need your power to do that. So I pray right now in this moment that you are empowering hearts to accept the invitation of King Jesus to come and be cleansed, to come and find rest, to come and find forgiveness, to come and be filled, to come and be welcomed into the kingdom of God. God, would you do these things in this very moment? In Jesus' name, amen.